Welcome to Making Sense of It All, helping you gain insight and take control of your wealth creation journey. Join your co-hosts from Vincent's, a national firm of highly specialized experts on all things financial. Jared Brooks, Director of Financial Advisory, and Brett Griffiths, Director of Superannuation Advisory. Along with special guests, they break down key concepts to help you achieve financial independence. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Making Sense of It All. This episode, we are discussing super tips. And I've got Brett, as always, and our special guest, Mai. Also goes by... Mylene Wheeler. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So you are a director within our superannuation advisory team. Yep. And we are here today to discuss everything super. We've had a previous episode on the topic, um, but we thought a bit of a refresher, go back, Brett's favourite topic, <laughs> superannuation. Isn't it everybody's? Oh, of course, of course. So you're actually outnumbered today. Jerry. Stuck in the booth, of, in the booth of you two. This is going to be great. But do you want to give us a bit of bit of background on yourself? Sure. How did you come to work in superannuation? Superannuation. Well, I'm an accountant like Brett. So started the journey many many years ago working in business and taxation advisory, but I've yeah. always worked with self-managed super funds and really enjoyed it, um, enjoyed looking at investments and the compliance side of it and, you know, the ability to have different uh, vehicles in it for clients. And when everyone was running away from super in the July 2017 changes, I made <laughs> the clever <laughs> decision to run straight to it and specialised. And that's when I kind of joined Brett and the team here at Vincent's. And that's what I've been doing the last five years, specialising just in super. There you go. And today's topic, so a lot of our listeners most likely don't have self-managed super fund. Mm -hmm. So we're going to talk about a few topics about things to consider when having a look at your own superannuation, and that's important to keep an eye on. So the regulatory environment is is continuously changing, so you must stay a on top of that, mm-hmm. that must be a big part of the job. It's a huge part of what we do. Hey, Brett. <laughs> Every time we think we get a little bit comfortable with where we've landed with law and legislation, something will change, um, as you also know, seeing, you know, contribution yeah. caps and all these different yeah. numbers we have to keep track of. But I think what's really worthwhile is, or pointing about this topic at the moment, <clears throat> is the stapled super. So this notion now, if you change jobs, your super essentially is designed to follow you. Yeah. So now, previously? Well, previously, another or your new employer, they might just pay to their default fund. So might if you move around jobs a bit, you might be a bit transient, casual employee, you might end up with a few different super funds, mm. which is not ideal because it means more costs. But the downside is you might actually be in an underperforming fund that keeps on following you. So there's a bit of a double-edged sword to this notion of stapled super. So to my point about, you know, reviewing your super on a regular basis, I think, you know, it becomes more relevant now because you need to make sure that, you know, what you've got is actually still, well, as you would say, Jared, fit for purpose. Fit for purpose. So it started off with choice, (laughs) didn't it? Yeah. So there was the choice and you could choose which fund and whether you're in an industry or retail or whatever you chose, you could then provide those details to your employer and they mm-hmm. had to run with that. Mm-hmm. So it's still, that's still there. Yeah. And that's for most employees. Um, it's just if you don't provide your choice, that's when it then comes to the stapled fund. Before they used, just used to put you in the default fund. Now it's, hang on, I've got to contact the ATO and look up what fund is attached to you. And okay. So this is falling on the responsibility of? The employer. Employer. 
Mm. But previously it was the employee who had to tell yeah. the employer. Mm. That's good. I like that. So, But it is important. It just means that you've got to really think about when you are signing on to a new job. It's not just filling in that TFN declaration. It's where do I want my super to go? Because yep. if I don't tell them, it's whatever the ATO's got on file. Okay. All right. So this is where it becomes now imperative because hopefully we're going to hold on to the one fund instead of having multiple that the fund is fit for purpose. So what's probably tip number one? Do we want to kick things off? Yeah, well, tip number one, I guess that would be performance. And that's kind of relevant at the moment because APRA just released that they have what they call the My Super comparatives. Yep. And they said that nine out of 10 people were told that their super funds, their performance was just, it wasn't meeting the test. And nine out of 10 people, sorry, nine out of the 10 people that they advised their funds weren't meeting the performance test, haven't done anything. So they're just staying in these underperforming funds. And I think that's a big issue. And it's probably a a really important message I want to share today is this is your money. Yeah. Mm. This is, this is going to be part of your overall wealth creation strategy. Um, it's a very tax-effective way of accumulating wealth over the long term. Yes, for the younger generations, it's a long time before we can access it. That doesn't remove the importance of performance and exactly. knowing what you're invested in. The difference in a form that's performing well and not could be the difference between you living in poverty in retirement or having great quality of life. So it really is important to look at the performance of your fund. Um, and when you're looking at the performance, you have to, as you'd know, probably better than, than Brett and myself being the financial planner, you have to look at like for like. So I can't be in a high growth fund and then compare it to a conservative fund, which has got a, a better or more stable return and go, well, hang on, this fund got 10% return over 10 years versus my you know, 5% yeah. over here. So That's right. Yeah. I, think, I think that's important is you're not comparing the, let's call it the yellow super fund with the blue super fund you're comparing the underlying investment choice between those two funds Mm. when it becomes to performance. And even the product. So my mentioned my super, that is a type of super fund that has to meet certain criteria for people to be classified as a my super product. Now, there are lots of other super funds out there too. Mm. So, you know, whether a my super fund is the right type of fund for you or whether it's another type is an an important thing to to review and, and determine as well. Yeah, so that new comparison system mm-hmm. government have come about so that's on tool? the yep it's on the ato website so yep. you can have a look at it so it's all about you know reduced fees protecting members balances um so that as brett said they meet the criteria but you can find it um there's a we can throw up a link yeah let's put a link um, in the show yeah, notes through the ato and you'll find out if your fund is on that list or not yeah but again this comes back to that is just for the my super products across the board, across all the different superannuation providers out yeah. there. Yeah. Okay. So you may not be in one of these products and therefore it may not be able to find a comparison in there for you. But there are other comparative websites that you can use to yeah. have a look, to compare. Some of them are for free. Some you can pay a fee. Um, so again, we can throw up a few more links on different things yeah. for people to look at. Um, it's, you know, the more that you look at things and the more you give yourself more info, uh, the better it's going to be. Yeah. And I think performance is you is correlated to the underlying risk that the mm-hmm. investor will choose mm-hmm. um, or should be if we're going to take on low risk <laughs> talk about cash and the low returns that you might generate in that then let's go to the other end of the spectrum and shares and property uh, they have a the potential for growth and income at a higher extent but you are taking on more risk now when we talk to the performance we're going to have to come back to a selection about 
conservative, balanced or an aggressive investment strategy. Mm -hmm. And that will drive the performance as well. Mm -hmm. So again, taking control of your investment choice Mm -hmm. with your fund uh, will drive those performance results. And there's a few other things to consider too when you're looking at that investment choice. A lot of people are looking for the ethical investments. Yeah, which is becoming more and more of the rage rage lately. I'm seeing more and more people choose to try and invest ethically. And uh, it's actually reaping great rewards. There's been great results and performance Mm. um, across the ethical investment strategies of some funds. Yeah, so... Tie that into now investment choice, especially for our younger listener base. Mm -hmm. If you were just to sit in a default, which is usually a balanced investment strategy, this comes back to taking control of your investment choice. Mm -hmm. The difference between the returns of maybe a balanced fund versus a more assertive investment strategy can be significant over the lifetime that you are within that superannuation environment. Mm. Well, I can probably talk to this a little bit, Jared, because I actually did this comparison for my daughter, who she received her super member statement and basically said, what do I need to do with this? I had a look at it and thought, well... Well, she went to a reliable source, I would hope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) and what I found really interesting was the fund that she was in, which was a balanced fund option yeah which it would have been which, just a default that was established when correct, she started her first job which for her being a 22 year old i didn't think was really appropriate yeah. so the difference between what her return was over the past five years to what she has now moved to was four percent yeah which was the difference in the, the difference wow, so basically okay. it was two-thirds of what she's getting now yeah so a four percent you're now referring to the potential for a four percent compounded performance yes over the life of her investment within the super fund and lower fees oh wow so that would have a huge impact and you could jump on the money smarts website and actually use their tools around compounding Mm. of your putting your balance as it stands Mm. today change the uh, return figure from a four percent versus an eight percent and have a look at the impact that that has over the longer term of uh, your balance and it would be very significant so Yes, of course, this is just general information around oh, yeah. the strategies you consider. You've got to take on your personal in risk profile is yep. what the terminology we use. But one of the big considerations is your investment horizon when considering your risk profile. And if you have an extended and long investment horizon of five, 10 plus years, which most of uh, those that are in their 20s, 30s, 40s even potentially have before they want to retire, you can consider taking an investment strategy that might have more risk Mm. to try and generate additional performance. So sit down, do your own personal judgment and what your risk tolerance is, and then select an appropriate investment strategy to suit it. Yeah. And using those websites we're just talking about, it's not hard to do. Yeah. To to do this research. Mm. Um, It it took me five minutes. So, you know, really I'm, I'm not doing anything special or anything different than what most people could do. Yeah. So um, I think that'd be great if we can stick a lot of those notes into the, the show notes mm. and a lot of the links, I should say, into the show notes and people can go to those resources and actually try and run the comparisons themselves. And the great thing about that calculator you're talking about is you can even throw in a number of if I was to, you know, contribute an extra $50 a week or, okay. you know, $5 a yep. day, what's that difference on that to, to give up a coffee to, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. So. Very good point. So next one that usually the comparison websites 
use is first there was a performance, yep. then it's normally the fees. The fees, yep. So talk to us a bit more about the fees. There are so many different types of fees a superannuation fund can charge. So they might charge you an investment fee for every time there's a, tra- you know, there might be a transaction fee for yep. every time there's a transaction, account keeping fees. Um, you re- there are so many different ones that that's why it's really important to look at their terms and conditions about what are the fees they're going to charge you. Is it going to be a percentage of what my balance is? Is it a fixed amount? Um, you know, insurance can sometimes fall under this fee. I think it's kind of, it's a separate thing. Yeah. I think insurance, it's not a fee, but you'll often <laughs> see that listed as another fee to consider. Um, buys and sells, switching between products, all of these types of things you can be charged for. Yep. The basic ones would be usually a member fee, an administration fee, Mm-hmm. An investment fee yeah. would usually be the three that I'd try and look for. If you can't find those, they'll be in there somewhere when you look at your yeah. um, members' statements yeah. uh, for the end of the financial year. Uh, I think the fees are so hard to get a handle on. Like yeah. we run comparisons here for our clients on different different uh, products that exist in the market. We literally have to spend an hour on the phone talking to one of these product providers to dive into the detail on the true uh, reflection of what the fee is charged for this member. Especially the investment fee. Yeah. Because that's normally the hidden beast that which you is, just don't know. They can either call it a, an ICR, which is called an in, indirect cost ratio, yep. hidden into the performance of it, or an MER. So a management expense ratio. Now, those are easily to hide away and tuck yeah. in behind the scenes. And often the investment return is a net return. So yeah. you don't actually, it's not reported on the statement anywhere. So I can see why people face the challenge of actually yeah. understanding the fees that are, oh, yes. are being charged within their funds. It is. It's not, they don't make it easy. <laughs> no, exactly. And deliberately so, mm. more than likely. So what is um, some of the ways in which you're trying to hunt fees down and actually look into it and well, comparisons and stuff. As Brent mentioned earlier, the MySuper products yeah. are low cost. So they've got low fees. So that is a particular option. But it's if you've got a few different funds that you've you've heard about, you're, you're happy with what their returns are, the performance, I just, you know, go onto their website, have a look there for what the fees are. Um, again, these comparative websites that we'll throw the links up to will have a bit of information on yeah. them too in there. Yeah. Now, uh, their product disclosure statements. So all these funds have a product disclosure statement. Within that product disclosure statement, in the fee section, they should run a a fee structure mm-hmm. for a balanced option. Yep. It'll be based on a $50,000 $50, balance, yeah. and you should be able to there get clarity on each of the individual fees that feed through. That's probably the best reference point for me. I'd... Uh, firstly, you've got to try and track down that product disclosure statement <laughs> to start with. But if you can get your hands on it and, you, and you've narrowed it down to a couple that you may like, that's where I'd draw your, draw your attention yeah. to. Um, it's probably the best way to get a like for like. Mm-hmm. It's probably the standard. easiest way for certain. Yeah. So anything more on fees? No? Next I mean, one? I was going to say, I would throw working in SMSF. <clears throat> Brett and I have to throw out that, you know, <laughs> that a super fund can be quite be comparable to. Yeah. Um, so w- what is the difference between fees? And we did have touched on this in a previous episode, but fees aren't just one's higher, one's lower, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason why there's different tiers in the fees of between one product and another. So when you have your self-managed super fund, you're managing all of your own super. You yeah. can choose whether to, you know, 
get the help of a financial planner like yourself to help you make the right investment decisions, you might be more confident in doing that yourself or you might be running you know, a property through the self-managed super fund. So you're not going to have those same investment costs that you might have in the you know the industry fund or the my super fund but you're going to have accounting fees you're going to have audit fees some other little fees that will pop up so you might know what those fixed costs are um, but you could also still also have investment fees if you have someone managing it so it really comes down to your particular super fund choices that you're going to make about what investments do I want to have in it how hands-on do I want to be? Do I want to have more people in? Um, and then we might look at your superannuation balance to go, well, in comparison to my $500,000 balance, what percentage do these costs represent? So it might be that, you know, it's 2% of what your balance is, is that you're paying an annual administration fees. So you could then compare that to the other funds where you can look in your PDS to say this is what it costs. But yeah, it's, it's different with self-managed <laughs> super fund because the reasons that people go into it are very different. Yeah. Um, and it could be because they're doing, you know, a really different complex investment that you can't get in that's an industry right. fund. And so. I think that's what it comes down to. It's choice. Yep. A self-managed super fund gives you a greater choice of investments that you can use. When it comes to comparing all other super funds, it's usually pretty traditional as well. It's You start down at the industry end of the scale where it might be low cost, but what comes with that is not a lot of flexibility in your investment strategy or the choice of that investment strategy. Then if you stepped it up and maybe went to a retail, well, then you might start giving, being provided the ability to pick the different types of assets, i.e. you might be able to pick a, a fund that's international or a fund that's Australian mm. equities and customise what we refer to as the asset allocation to suit what you want. So you have more choice and therefore that comes with the potential for an additional fee or an increase to the fee structure due to that choice that you now have. Yeah. Um, there was actually some research done by Royce um, Warner uh, Actuaries uh, probably about 18 months ago now mm. that um, essentially said that self-managed super funds are comparable with other types of super at about 150000 and above okay. as a balance. There you go. Mm. Very interesting. Mm. I'll throw a bit of a curveball to the both of you. And I think into my special guest. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> the there is a bit of a boom in and around these online self-managed super fund establishment and things mm -hmm. like that. Any risks and concerns or things to consider for people who might be, especially the the younger guys that might be jumping on board with a, an online broker and looking to set up a self-managed super fund with an online broker or anything along those lines. What's some important things to really keep in mind when you're going mm. down that path? I think you have to be careful if you're going down one of those paths that it's not a fund that's just going to have this rules that everybody must follow. So quite often what Brett and I have seen is that we've <clears throat> got clients that move across to us where they've got this deed and they're only allowed to invest in certain products that that SMSF admin provider is having. You have okay. to follow the rules in their particular trust deed. So yeah. which sometimes when they then come to us and they want to do things that people usually set up a self-managed super fund for, the rules don't actually allow for it because of these, the way that they've set up the deeds. So they have to use a particular trading platform, particular bank accounts. Even the trading platform mm. is stipulated in the deed. So just to give the listeners a bit of a breakdown on the deed, the deed is the rules of the fund. It's the rule. Yep. It's the Bible. Yeah. Yep. So in the deed, it's stipulating when you might set up something online, stipulating the trading platform you can use. Well, they refer back to like their platform or their platform yeah. of choice, which might be one of two. Okay. So then if I chose, if I decided, oh, I'll finish with that platform and I'm going to go somewhere else, 
then what they do is they say, you can no longer use this particular service. You have to go to our, our affiliate accounting partner over here to do that. Right. So it's going to sort of create a few hurdles should I wish to move and maybe potentially use an advisor or anything like if that. If you wanted to do yeah. something that they don't allow for because they're only saying these particular shares, what if you wanted mm. to get a property? What if there's an unlisted investment? So you might um, have heard of a company that's about to start up, it's in tech. <clears throat> um, you can't buy that particular, those shares if they don't allow you to or they're deep. So this is and, very purpose-driven. It's oh, yeah, you're using the platform, here's the super fund that's for the platform, for this investment strategy, and that's all there is to it. Yeah, and typically, Jared, because they will... Um, not charge you for the establishment. So they're essentially giving away the setup of the fund because you know, there's a cost. There's legal costs in setting up a super fund. But they give that away because they insist on having individual trustees. Now, that has estate planning implications for later on down the track. So you know, the ATO are very strong in saying they do not recommend individual trustees for, for self-managed super funds. But there is a cost in, in setting that up. But it's a lot more beneficial from a state planning and control point of view to actually have a company in place. Mm. So the two different options for <laughs> establishment of a self-managed super fund, individual or corporate. That's right. So I set up your own company to act as the trustee for the super fund. Yeah. Now, having said that, it doesn't mean that these online providers can't be offering you a service that hmm. works for you. Well, it might That's be right. fit for purpose be right for now. Purpose. Yeah, right now. But as a result, it may create some hurdles in the future when yeah. you want to transition, move, Which change your strategy, we can et cetera. E- yeah, we can easily help you overcome that or your advisor can. You know, we get deed updates so yeah, okay. you can change all of that. But that will come with more costs later on. So it's we just like to think, well, you know, set it up correctly the first time yeah. for what you want to do now but what you may want to do in the future. Yeah. And a lot of the, the industry or the, you know, the APRA-regulated funds, so the larger funds, they essentially offer a very similar product to what these online SMS providers do these days anyway. So, yeah, you sort of have to really evaluate, are you getting one of those products because you just want to be one of the cool kids with your own super fund or are you doing it for a particular purpose behind it? Yeah, we always come back to making sure everything you do around your wealth creation strategies is driven with a purpose behind it. So, uh, good. Insurance? Insurance, that's always (laughs) the important one, I think. Um, One thing to be aware of is that there were some changes. Oh, was it? I've lost track of time. I blame COVID. <laughs> what could have been six months ago to me is actually 18 months ago, but there were changes yeah. to super and, and you know, you have to have a minimum balance. Otherwise, your super will stop by default unless you notify the fund. Yep. So in your super fund, it's really important to have a look at what type of insurance is on offer. Um, there can be life insurance. There could be trauma insurance, TPD. They're all, you know, you can get them at a really good cheap cost inside superannuation. So that's one of the reasons that people are often attracted to having it in super. But again, insurance is important and something you should talk with an advisor to make sure it is appropriate to you. You might be a single person that has no dependents. So maybe life insurance isn't important to you. You don't need to get that new super fund, but maybe you do need trauma and some funds might not offer trauma without life. So, yeah, no funds as Brett's looking at me. (laughs) TPD or or life and things like that. So you're exactly right. And I think the minimum balance was what? $6,000. Yes. $6,000. So if your balance was under $6,000, what actually happened is people's insurance policies within their funds were were cancelled if they didn't opt in in, with that letter. That letter that might have got caught up in the mail might have resulted in 
mm. you losing the insurance that's within the fund. Mm. And there have been even further recent changes to insurance and super within the last few months. I know that Misha in our insurance division was crazy doing stuff yeah. to review it with this deadline. I think another sure. big one was the uh, active fund. So if your mm. fund was not actively receiving contributions, um, one of these letters uh, would have gone out. Now, this was a government uh, program to try and result in reduced fees. So insurances mm. comes with an associated premium cost. Uh, for people that might only have a $6,000 balance, they basically said, well, the fees are chewing away at the member's balance. Mm. And as a result, we're going to come up with a policy that says if you aren't active or your fund's not active and you've not got a balance that's that low, we're going to cancel those insurance policies so that at least the fund isn't going backwards due to those fees. But as a result, some people have been caught a little unaware and may now be underinsured as a result. So it's worthwhile jumping in there. You should on your member statement. Yeah, on your member statement also, whether you've got insurance, you can have a breakdown. A lot of them have online access too. So if you don't have a member statement, you might be able to just log in, have a look. You can even probably organise the insurance all online. At at the same time, look at that investment um, profile strategy strategy at the same time. The thing with insurance with a lot of the, um, the larger funds is they will offer it in bands and it will also be age-dependent. So as you get older, they will automatically scale back how much insurance you're entitled to, which may not be appropriate. So having someone actually review your personal circumstances around your insurance is so important. Yeah, and it can be very costly the older we get. It gets very expensive. Yeah, it does, but that might be what you need, though. Yeah. You know, you've said before, Jared, about um, our greatest asset is our income. So you you should be insuring that. Um, If you've got dependents and that don't have the capacity to, you know, earn as much support, income as what they're, support themselves. Yeah, what they're the, used to, then maybe that's just the, the price you pay, so to speak. Yeah, completely agree. So definitely just signing into your platform if you mm. – it's like I don't know a platform, a super fund provider that doesn't have online access mm. these days. So get your login details, reset your password, do whatever you need to do, <laughs> dive in there and have a look at your member statement, have a look at your fees, have a look at your investment strategy, have a look at the potential insurance. Estate planning, mm. big one, mm-hmm. right? Super, not covered by your will. People often unaware of that. So explain that for, to me. So superannuation isn't automatically covered by your will. So usually if you die and you have a will, all of your assets are distributed in accordance with what you've put in your will. Superannuation doesn't fall automatically under your will and estate unless you make a nomination for it to be paid to the estate upon your death. Okay, so we have to put in nominations in place in our super funds Mm -hmm. to how we want it transferred out upon our demise. So you can choose for it to go to the estate or you might choose for it to go to what we call a a dependent. So that dependent would be a spouse or a, a de facto spouse or someone that's recognised under the state uh, and territory law as being your partner. Um, It could be your children. They are dependents. Um, Now, you've got your your children might be under 18. They might be over. There's different tax consequences there too um, to look at those types of dependents. Um, And who else have we got? And I suppose that's the big part of that one is we start out, we mightn't have had any nominations, mm. then we do end up having kids or we do have a partner, partner and then maybe kids, kids maybe then a partner. <laughs> but we, uh, we certainly go through transitions in life which would result in us needing to consider that again. Mm. So and your circumstances might say, all right, I'll kicking it off, I'll give it everything to my brother. 
But then later down the line, once you've got a partner, it might be uh, a change of plans. So it is really important to have another look at that. And the big part there is there's significant differences in tax consequences mm-hmm. um, depending on who that money goes to. So what's the result of not having anyone, not having a nomination in place? The superannuation trustee gets to decide. They're going to look at your life and everyone in it to go, who's a dependent? And then they make the decision of where your money's going. So do I want to have my super mm. provider make the choice of where my money goes? And there's mm. a special court called the Superannuation Complaints Tribunal. Over 50% of all cases it hears is where death benefits are paid. There you go. So that sounds like it'd be a costly exercise. So it's not a not a like a normal court where you go with um, with with lawyers and so forth. Yeah. So you're sort of more self representing, but you still have to go through a process of challenging decisions. So it's still obviously emotional stress and mm. trauma. There is obviously some costs, um, but <clears throat> since what you're doing is you're saying I don't agree with this decision for these reasons. Yeah. So you're ultimately you are still putting, you know, as my said, you're putting your your hand your super fate in someone else's hands. Yeah. And I, I think the big one here, right, is in the event of conflict. Yeah. So say for example, mm. let's let's run through a scenario. Um, I was a pass away and my partner, I didn't have any nominations in place. My partner was to go there to mm-hmm. the tribunal and was to say, Oh, well, I'm the person who should receive superannuation proceeds. And then my parents were to step in and go, hang on a second, this relationship's only been in existence for 12 months. We should receive the proceeds. That's our son. Mm-hmm. That's then the, the conflict that can occur yep. by simply not having who you desire the monies to go to. I'm actually helping a, down client, in place. I'm helping a client at the moment who his brother passed away. He had a nomination to his former fiancée. They've been separated for about six months. He had no Massive will. One. Mm. Um, so now it's like, what, what, what do we need to do to make sure that the super goes to the family as opposed to the former spe- uh, the former fiance? Yeah. So huge. So if you've been through, uh, a separation, mm. think about your super. Blended, yeah, blended about... families too. You might yeah. be in a new relationship and you want it set aside for your children. <clears throat> make sure that you're. You know, not just you've got to consider it too, not just the super nomination, but in consideration also with your will. So, yeah, you don't want them in conflict. Yeah, make sure that you are talking to all the right parties at the right time when you're looking at it. You You can nominate more than one person. Yes, you could, you could have, you know, I've got two kids, could go 50 50 to each of them, Um, could go zero the rate they're currently with their little attitude. And some super funds will, so we can do this in SMSF world, you can actually have a tiered approach. So it can go to, say, your, your spouse. If your spouse is predeceased, you so they're already dead, then it can go to the children. So that can, that's always a possibility as well. Mm. And, and there's a couple of different types. Yeah, I was going to say there's binding. So that's where the trustee has to act in accordance with your nomination. But if your nomination isn't valid, so, for instance, I went, I want to leave all my money to charity, I can't actually nominate a charity through the super fund to get my superannuation benefit. So then the trustee would go, that's not a valid binding nomination. Right. They'd make a decision. But if I'd said, look, it's going to my kids and I want it 50-50, they've got this binding nomination, they have to act in accordance with it and go, here you go, kids, 50-50 of mum's super. Excellent. But then if you don't have a binding, they could override it. So... That's where it's, that's more contentious than SMSFs. We, we find a lot, but it can also be an issue 
within, um, you know, the non-SMSF world. Yeah, Lots and lots of cases. There's always stories about it. There was, there's one with the, the magistrate that people have potentially read in the news that was a few months ago. Um, all those types of cases happen where people just haven't updated their nominations when there's a new relationship, a new mm. child, a split. Especially now that superannuation has become the norm from when we commence work. Yeah. The balances we start talking mm. about inside of these funds can become huge. So. Well, I think, um, Jared, when we had um, Kieran Hall in here to talk about estate planning, yes. he mentioned that you, know, you should look at your will every three years. Well, really, you should look at your super nomination at the same time. Yep. I like that approach. I think that's great. So can we get a quick update on, like we said earlier, the regulatory environment's constantly changing, so mm-hmm. caps are changing and things like that. Mm-hmm. What's the latest? Well, from 1 July, you can put more money into super um, and claim tax deductions for it. So that threw out a few of our calculations now. <laughs> we have to stop and think. Um, we had, what, changes to the work test um, and ages. So, you know, you don't if you're over 67 now, you need to work to be able to put extra money into super. And even though that only came through in June this year, there's already legislation before Parliament to increase that to 75. So that could change again in the next month or two. Which makes sense. We've got an ageing population that's still working. So how many people are lucky enough to be able to retire in their their mid-60s? Especially, as you said, most people now will have, who are going into the workforce, they're going to have super. People in their 60s and 70s won't have the same balances that this generation in 30, 40 years will. So they are working longer. They can't afford to retire because they're going to rely on the age pension. And the contribution caps they indexed? They are with AWOT, isn't it? AWOTI. Thank you. I was going to say, one of those things where I never know how to say it correctly. (laughs) (laughs) Edit that out. (laughs) Um, So that's when we've gone to 110,000 for the non-concessional, which is you're not claiming a tax deduction for it. And that's where we went from the concessional where you claim a tax deduction from 25 to 27 and a half. 27 and a half. And then the big one, I suppose, is uh, 10%. So we were all on nine and a half. When did the nine and a half as a part of our salary? Nine and a half was the percentage that our employer would contribute to super. Mm-hmm. So it's now ticked up to 10%. Yep. Which is easier to calculate too. Yeah, <laughs> it certainly does. So that's a, that's a big ticket item is uh, we're getting a little bit of extra money into super from employers. Mm. Well, it did depend though on what your employment contract said. Some people didn't see that 5% uptake. Um, depending on how, if they had an inclusive package, it was up to the employer whether they went, look, we'll we'll wear that extra half a percent cost or you got half a percent less in your pocket. Interesting. There you go. Um, All right. Any other tips, tricks, things to consider? Uh, One other thing that they do have that people can look at when they're thinking about choosing the super fund are the other services that might be offered. Um, Some of them give you uh, shopping discounts. So, which I don't know how that might work. Don't start me there. (laughs) So the reason Brett's saying don't start him there is in self-managed super funds, you're not allowed to have any benefit now unless, you know, it's all for your retirement. 
but people in these big retail and industry funds can get discounts on shopping. So it's a benefit so, today for whoever they're with. Yeah. So wow. you can, I, I've, I've seen those, um, used it myself, <laughs> so it's pretty good. Um, they might also have financial planning services. So a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, people might be like, oh, I can't afford to go see a financial planner. Yep. You can go and talk to the financial planner at your fund. and so they can literally might have been built into the fees that you've been charged yep. over mm. the last few years exactly. would be the fact that you can contact a financial planner from the current provider of your super. Yep. And you can talk to them about, hey, I'm planning on retiring at this age. Do I need to make extra contributions? Or, you know, um, I'm a, I'm about to retire tomorrow. How, how do I set this all up? What do I do? What's the best way to structure it? So that's a really good benefit to have um, and, and look to see, does the funds that you're applying for or considering give you that type of service? Um, I can't think of off the top of my head. There are other things that they do offer you, but yeah. they're, you know, a couple of things that, that mean something to people. Yeah, absolutely. I can see why it's a bit of a draw card, but I can see why Brett's not too impressed. Doesn't well, follow the rule book. I was able to get appliances at a great discount. <laughs> wow, there you go. That's, so, that's impressive. So, yeah. Brett, anything to add from yourself this time around? No, look, Jared, I think the, the end of the day, super choice is just like a home loan. It's a very personal choice and something mm-hmm. you actually need to look at. Yeah. And every few years, just revisit it. It doesn't have to be you know, every six months, but just, you know, if, if you get into a habit of, say, every three years looking at your estate planning and your superannuation. Yeah, financial health check. Yeah, run through it and exactly. build in your superannuation to that. Circumstances change. Yeah. So tie everything in together and it won't, and once you sort of get into that routine or into that rhythm, it won't be such a big drama. Yeah. Excellent. So in summary, uh, one, performance, two, fees, three, insurance, um, services, and then tying into performance was an investment uh, review. So I think that's a, a pretty good summary and things mm-hmm. to consider. Jump online, have a look, and have a look at those items within your super fund. Um, your members balance, uh, your members' statements, everyone mm-hmm. should have received that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 30 June rolled around and we should be, uh, everyone yes. should be able to access their member, member statements. So have a look. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you very much for your time. We'll put your contact details in the show notes along with all the different links to the websites about comparisons and things that uh, you've done some research on. Mm -hmm. And uh, you also generate an article on this, so we might throw that in there as well. Yep, just a couple. Just summarising, probably a bit more succinctly than what I've said today, (laughs) all those things to consider. Um, And there's so many educational resources out there for people. Jared mentioned Money Smart. It's a great place to start. If you Mm. feel embarrassed, I, I think never be embarrassed when it comes to asking questions about your financial health. Like there's never a stupid question. But if you are someone that's shy, go onto these websites. They've got so much information, not just about super, but any of the things that we just spoke about. If I was saying concessional and someone's like, what is that word? word? What does that mean with super? It's all laid out there in straightforward, simple, (laughs) non-accountant, non-financial planner speak. So use it. Yeah, excellent. And uh, you run a, a regular tips and tricks on your LinkedIn as well, so I might have to throw that up there. And if anyone wants to chime in, it's get a little bit more regulatory heavy and keeping like up to date. So we'll make sure that uh, we've got all your contact details in there. Thank you. Yeah, it's not just SMSF. I'm with Women in Super Committee for Queensland. So it's really about just helping people take control of their super, look at your balances and just ask you questions. Because, awesome. Yeah. That's excellent. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks, mate. So make sure we've got a, we'll have a, another guest in, but make sure you hit subscribe so we'll get the alerts out to that. Any questions, shoot them through. 
making sense of it all at vincents.com.au. Exactly. Until next time, remember to gain insight and take control. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. The information contained in this podcast should not be interpreted as advice. It is general in nature and does not take into account your individual financial situation or needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial decision, we recommend you consult with a licensed professional advisor to consider your unique circumstances. Guests appearing on this podcast may have a commercial relationship with the companies mentioned.